Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome into the Thursday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. I'm Ryan Lavoy filling in for JJ Jackson today. We've got a full and fun show and a full studio as well. Brooks Childress, Cam Berry, and Brant Dontry with you here today talking all the news in the sports world. And uh, we have a lot of it. We will, in just a couple minutes, play the audio. Uh, that uh, a lot of people are going to be interested to hear. We will play Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher having a big spat right now over NIL. <laughs> we will give our opinions after we hear from those two guys. We'll also get into Auburn's newest commitment, which figured to be the biggest news of the show today. But uh, Morris Joseph, transfer out of Memphis, coming to Auburn. We'll talk a little bit about him today. Also talk about the changing landscape in college football. It's not just NIL. Pac-12 with news yesterday, NCAA with news yesterday pertaining conference championships and then of course it's thursday it's a day early but auburn baseball starts their series against kentucky so we'll try and preview that a little bit but our focus will indeed be on a lot of nil stuff again with this nick saban and jimbo fisher controversy and again we'll have audio in just a moment after the guys after we get some greetings done here nathan king of auburn undercover 247 at 3.30, we'll also be talking about all this news, uh, birthdays and sports. A full show to get to today. Again, Ryan, Cam, Brooks, and Brant with you here today. We'll start with Cam. Cam, hope you're doing well. Yeah, doing great, doing great. Uh, nice day outside. Just been kind of getting some work done here and there. Um, watched some. Uh, watched your Golden State Warriors last night beat up on the Mavs. I kind of figured it would be somewhat like that especially with the maps coming off a seven game series i figured they'd uh still be recovering a little bit um so that was you know pretty intense beat down um luca didn't have a great game shooting six for 18 um seems like the defense is clamping down they kind of know how to how to play him so it's going to be i think it's going to be a good a good little series. I think it's going to be Golden State in five um, and watch some playoff hockey last night as well. Calgary and um, and Edmonton was a great game. 15 combined goals. Absolutely yep. insane. You ever picked Calgary in the monthly prediction oh, for most goal score? Congratulations it. on that. Because <laughs> I was like, I, I picked the Lightning. And so I was like, man, this is, you know, not good for for that. But really really great game um seems like the goal it seemed like the goal was just open the entire game um i thought maybe uh calgary might get to 10 but uh they they called the game a little early due to some fighting because uh i guess edmonton and calgary don't really like each other i I think there's some intense rivalry with 
within Canada with that. So it was pretty cool. Pretty, uh, but yeah, doing great. Brooks, how are you? They probably stole each other's maple syrup or something. <laughs> hey, I, I think they're actually in the same province. I think they're both in yeah, Alberta. I, I think that's, yeah, it's like the Battle of Alberta. So it's like this this series is going to be, it's like the uh, Tampa and Florida are going at it. They're in the same state. It's basically like that. It's yeah. it's the same state teams against each other. That was a really fun game last night. I watched the uh, the third period of that oh, one. That crazy. was crazy. After all the scoring was basically over with, I watched the third period. Um <laughs> And also last night went to the theater. Uh, went to uh, the <laughs> Goose. Some of our friends are at the Goose Performing Arts Center. Oklahoma is playing there right now. It was uh, Tuesday night. Started Tuesday night, and I think the last performance for it is tonight. Uh, recommend it if if you're you know looking for something to do tonight. I'd see if there's any tickets left for that performance. It was I, I thought it was good. It's a nineteen or it's a twenty first century adaptation kind of sort of of uh, of Oklahoma. I, I thought it was really good. Um, and so did that last night, uh, and today, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff getting started here, uh, talking season is what we like to call it during the, uh, the summer months after spring ball's done and yeah. you start to get some of this stuff. Usually it starts around SEC media days where you get the official talking season going where everyone starts talking about football, but, uh, Nick Saban and, uh, Jimbo Fisher decided to get it started a little bit early. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. PGA championship started today. Big day for Rory McIlroy to start things off with today. Uh, Will Zalatoris, one of my picks, uh, to win the masters, uh, about a month ago, he had a really good first round today. Um, my monthly prediction guy, Brooks Kepka, not off to the best of starts this afternoon, but hopefully he can get things turned around and hopefully get me a, a monthly prediction point. And of course, other, you know, something that we haven't mentioned yet, Auburn baseball starts their final regular season series tonight up in Lexington, Kentucky, over on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. Big, big series. Got to win two out of three if you're trying to get that regional uh, hosting spot, and especially if you're trying to get uh, into a position where you could potentially host a super regional down the line in the in the uh, NCAA tournament. So a lot of big stuff happening. Can't wait to talk about all of it. Can't wait to talk to all of our callers as well. And then, uh, Brant, hope you are well, sir. I'm doing very well. Uh, it's been a very entertaining day uh, for, for all the reasons we've already mentioned, and we're, we're going to get into more of that later. But, yeah, really looking forward to getting Nathan King's opinion on everything as well and, you know, spending a lot of time talking about, hey, man, Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban are kind of going at each other right now, and regardless of which side of the aisle you, you may fall on, you, you can't deny that this is a quality off-season entertainment. Yeah. So look very much looking forward to discussing that with you guys and seeing where we uh, – where we all fall and, and, you know, getting callers opinions on it as well. And yeah, doing very good. Uh, excited for this baseball, this, uh, this baseball tournament. I, you know, you keep going back. Auburn was picked to finish last in the sec in the preseason. I, I say baseball tournament, I mean series, but uh, with this series, they've got a chance to really gain some ground and uh, possibly host a region will be one of those top four seeds. And, you know, it's, it, there's a lot going on right now with Auburn baseball and it's a really exciting time. And so I'm really looking forward to talking about all that and, you know, and the more obvious things that we've got coming up today on the show. Yeah, there was already plenty to talk about today and tomorrow before the uh, nuclear bombs hurled at one <laughs> another last night and this morning from Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. If you're not sure what we are talking about, we're about to play the audio from both Nick Saban. Uh, he was at an event last night, uh, and it's going to be his full clip. It's going to be about six, six and, six and a half minutes, and he's going to be talking about NIL and we're going to let you hear what he had to say. And, of course, mentions Jimbo Fisher towards the end of it. And then we'll let you hear 
Jimbo Fisher's response. He had a, about an eight- or nine-minute press conference today. Not going to play the full press conference, but we'll play the opening statement, which is about two and a half, three minutes, and then the first couple of questions so you can get the vibe of what Jimbo Fisher had to say. So in all, about ten minutes of audio for you. But we find it important for everyone to hear everything that was said so that we're not putting words in people's mouths and that sort of thing. You can hear it straight from Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. Then we'll come back and give our opinions and then get to Nathan King of 247, get his opinions on it and then his opinions of some of the things that's happening in Auburn football. So here's Nick Saban. Here's what started it all off last night and his comments on NIL and then bringing up Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M. Name, image, and likeness to me is a great concept for players. Uh, players have always been allowed to work. Uh, this is just a different opportunity for them to make money by working and using their own name, image, and likeness, whether it's signing autographs, whether it's doing commercials or ads for some company or whatever. So there's nothing wrong with that. And I told our players when this whole thing started to get agents, get representation, um, and so you create opportunities for yourself. And our players last year created $3 million worth of opportunity for themselves by doing it the right way. And I have no problem with that. And nobody had a problem on our team with that because the guys that got the money earned it. Now, there were only 25 guys on our team that had the opportunity to earn money. The issue and the problem with name, image, and likeness is coaches trying to create an advantage for themselves. I went out and said, okay, how could we use this to our advantage? they created what's called a collective. All right, a collective is an outside marketing agency uh, that's not tied to the university, that's funded by alumni from the university. And they give this collective millions of dollars. And that marketing agency then funnels it to the players. All right, and the coach actually knows how much money's in the collective, so he knows how much he can promise every player. That's not what name, image, and likeness was supposed to be. That's what it's become, and that's the problem in college athletics right now. And now every player is saying, well, what am I going to get? Well, my philosophy is my job is to create a platform for our players to create value for themselves and their future by becoming better people, uh, by graduating from school and developing a career off the field, and by seeing if they can develop a career on the field and play at the next level in the NFL. Our players have made $1.7 billion in the NFL since 2010. All right, so wow. we've created a lot of opportunity. We also have one of the highest graduation rates, you know, in college athletics. We have the most guys that graduate inside of four years. So we've done a good job of that. But now in recruiting, we have players in our state that grew up wanting to come to Alabama that they won't commit to us unless we say we're going to give them what somebody else is going to give them. And my theory on that is everything that we've done in college athletics has always been equal. Your scholarship is equal. They get equal Austin, Austin money. They get equal uh, cost of attendance. Uh, they get equal academic support. They get equal medical attention. Everything has always been equal. So I told our players, I said, we're going to have a collective but everybody's going to get the same amount of opportunity from that collective. Now, you can go earn however much you want. And I tell the recruits the same thing, because our job is not to buy you to come to school here. And I don't know how you manage your locker room, and I don't know if this is a sustainable model, uh, because one of you folks are going to give some player that comes to our school 
a bunch of money to come to our school. And then you're going to come to the game in full strut, I thinking I'm going to tell everybody I got that guy to come to Alabama. And then he's not going to play, and he's going to transfer, and you're going to say, I'm never going to do this again. All right, so I don't know how it works. I don't, I don't know how you sustain a model like that. Now, I know that we're going to lose recruits because somebody else is going to be willing to pay them more. Um, but name, image, and likeness is something that's here. And I think the more supporters that we have for the University of Alabama in all sports right, that are willing to sponsor players, whatever you want to call it, use them in your business to help your business, that's going to help our programs. Um, the thing that I fear is at some point in time, they're just going to say we're going to have to pay players. If we start paying players, we're going to have to eliminate sports. All right? And this is, this is all bad for college sports. I mean, we probably have, what, 450 people on scholarship at Alabama, whether they're women's tennis players, women's softball players, golfers, you know, baseball players, non-revenue sports that, should, that have for years and years and years been able to create a better life for themselves because they've been able to get scholarships and participate in college athletics. That's what college athletics is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be something where people come and make money. And you make a decision about where you go to school based on how much money you're going to make. You should make a decision based on where you have the best chance to develop as a person, as a student, and as a player, which is what we've always tried to major in. And we're going to continue to do that. And hopefully there's enough people out there that want to do it. But I know the consequence is going to be difficult for the people who are spending tons of money to get players. And you've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. Yeah. So it's, um, it's tough, and people blame the NCAA. But in defense of the NCAA, we are where we are all right, because of the litigation that the NCAA gets, like the transfer portal. Every time somebody wanted to transfer, they'd apply for a waiver. Right, if you didn't give them, the NCAA didn't give them a waiver so they could be immediately eligible, they filed suit. So the NCAA would back off and give them a waiver. So they just said, we're just going to make a rule where everybody can transfer. That's how that happened. So if the NCAA doesn't get some protection from litigation, whether we got to get an antitrust or whatever it is, from a federal government standpoint, this is not going to change because they cannot enforce their rules, just like Nate said. We have a rule right now that says you cannot use name, image, and likeness to entice a player to come to your school. Hell, read about it in the paper. I mean, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division I player to come to school. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. I mean, these guys at Miami that are going to play basketball there for $400,000, it's in the newspaper. The guy tells you how he's doing it. So, um, but the NCAA can't enforce their rules because it's not against the law. And that's an issue. That's a problem. And, and unless we get something that protects them from litigation, I don't know what we're going to do about it. So that was Nick Saban last night on uh, all things NIL, bringing up obviously Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M's number one recruiting class of all time. Also brought up Deion Sanders and Jackson State there. 
at the very end. And then here is Jimbo Fisher's response today. He called a, a press conference that was not previously scheduled, scheduled a morning press conference today. And here's the first few minutes of that. Coach, uh, like to respond to some comments made last night in Alabama? Uh, yes, I would. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. And they broke state laws. They're, they're, they're all money. They're, we bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen, and it's ridiculous. But when, when he's not on top, and the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families and Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. But we're, not, we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we got to sit here at this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to set up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's and it personal to us? Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. know him really well. It's amazing that we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it. For our players who are coming here, who did things the right way, have done things the right way, and will continue to do things the right way, I apologize to you that people insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. But I promise you this, there are, no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. Questions? Uh, to the left, Olin. Uh, a couple of things, Jimbo. First of all, have you had any contact with Nick since? No. Uh, oh, he's called. You just didn't take the call? Not going to. We're done. And uh, He shows you who he is. And then I just wanted to. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted when to. you got all the advantages? Uh -huh. It's easy. And I just wanted to uh, just put it point blank. So. No players in your – you're saying that no players in the There's not no laws of anything we ever promised, done, anything that goes against the laws of the state of Texas, and it's insulting to say a 17-year-old in his family broke laws. No. That is Jimbo Fisher after uh, obviously responding to comments made the night prior by Nick Saban. Word travels fast in the, these here parts.
Oh, and, does it? And uh, and so a press conference was called to something that was not coming on the radar, radar till seven or eight o'clock last night. It's twelve hours later. There's a press conference about it. Just got a couple of minutes here before we get to Nathan King, our guest of two four seven. But want to get everyone's take real quickly. That's why we played the audio from the get go. Uh, have at it, guys. Whatever you want to do uh, with uh, these comments. Saban has no right to take the high road. I mean, you know, everybody knows that paying players is something that's been going on under the table for an extremely long time in college sports. Bama, there are no exception to that. I, I just don't understand why all of a sudden he thinks that using NIL is something that is, is wrong or how he's just talking about Texas A&M in that case and, with, and bringing in Travis Hunter and Deion Sanders and all that, just the way that he – is trying to high road this is just I don't is just blasphemous in my in my take. Yeah, I I totally agree with with what Cam said. It, to, for Nick Saban to act here to sit here and act like he's totally innocent is asinine. But what's funny to me is a couple of things. One that I want to one that comes to mind immediately. Jimbo never said no. We never paid anybody. Right. <laughs> he says no. We didn't break any laws. No. We didn't do anything wrong. I, I think it's very obvious that Jimbo Fisher has this class because he's using the money. Oh, yeah. Or someone is. And if someone is using the money, then Fisher knows about it. He's not innocent of any, it. To, to, I think that it's really interesting also the, the way that both of them are kind of going back and forth saying, I know what you did. I know what skeletons are in your closet. But neither of them wants to actually drop a bomb. Oh, yeah. Because they know the second they do that the other person's going to drag them down with them. And I think that's going to happen all around college football. As soon as this breaks, it's it's a cold war. I called it a cold war on Twitter, and yeah. I think that's I agree. Th- that, that's that pretty accurate. There's, you've got two you got two sides capable of mutually assured destruction. And I just I'm waiting for the ball to drop there. Because when it does the landscape of college football is going to change completely. Uh, and you just you just don't know what it is. What's the you know what's the assassination of Franz Ferdinand <laughs> in college in college football that just sets off this war that sets the off powder like, keg. Yeah, what's what's the college football is a powder keg, exactly. Yeah. What's the spark? You know, and I'm just wondering, is it Jimbo? Is it, it Kirby Smart has been mentioned a ton. Um for for either of these people to sit here and act like they are the holier than thou party is laughable. Um, but I, I just man, this I I can't wait to see what this brings because we're not done yet. I promise you that. I, I don't know what's coming next, but something is. I j- you know I don't know why Nick Saban would be complaining. Because he still pulled in the number two recruiting class right. in the country. <laughs> That's so true. what? Are you mad that you're not number one? And it's not like it's that far behind. You look at the you know the two four seven rankings. It's it's at the point system they've got here, uh, how they grade recruits. It was three hundred thirty two point eight seven to three hundred thirty two point one four, like that, or three hundred twenty two point one four. It's not that far behind. So Nick Saban still pulled in the number two recruiting class without going into, you know, this, the NI, wading into the NIL waters as deep as uh, Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M have. I, I think, you know, you look at it, you look at the numbers behind everything Nick Saban talked about, the numbers that uh, the NIL's gotten some of his, his players. It's obviously not as 
the widespread lucrative as the the ones down at Texas A&M. Texas A&M's just louder about it. Yeah. And that's I think that's the 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 thing here is you've got certain schools that are just louder about their NIL deals. Texas A&M's one of them. You look at the I'll, I'll you know I'll go through the top what ten recruiting classes here from this year. Texas A&M's loud about it. Alabama, you don't hear about you know you hear every a few players get get an NIL right. deal. You don't hear oh this billion you know not billion million dollar deal or this so a thousand dollar deal. Georgia, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Penn State, Notre Dame. Oklahoma, Michigan, and Clemson. I don't know. I could not tell you one one player no. that I've seen that has gone there that has been you know this high profile, you know big oh these big loud NIL deals. Miami's sitting at sixteen. That's another one that was that was mentioned there. And then there's 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 obviously a lot of NIL, but like Miami at sixteen in the recruiting class, Texas A&M at one in this past year's recruiting classes are the loudest ones that you hear about with all this NIL money being spread around. A lot of this is going to get, I'm not going to say fixed, but it's it's going to be improved if and when you get these bylaws passed by the NCAA about limiting um, limiting booster contact with the NIL. Like some of these collectives are going to get get taken down. Some of these collectives are going to get pushed back a little yeah. bit. It's not going to go away because you've, it, it's like you said, Kim, you've already, you've opened that, that Pandora's box. There was already you, everybody kind of, you know, everybody, nobody wants to admit it, but everybody knows that they're under the table deals going on in college football forever. Forever. That's what's crazy to me is there's always been kind of this unspoken rule among college football coaches. It feels like where, Everybody does it, so you just don't accuse. You don't yeah, even you don't, if you know someone else is cheating. Accuse. You don't bring it up because you've got skeletons in your closet. And then Saban and Fisher attacking each other kind of goes against that code. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. No, though, where you where you have a a coach call a press conference twelve hours after a coach another He's coach accused. says something about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, you like get, in the morning too. He did that at ten a.m. It was a few, what was it two years ago where Jimbo Fisher said at a, at a new, new media outlet like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna beat them this year." And then right. Nick Saban didn't call a presser the next day and was like, "Well, what do you mean they're gonna beat us?" It, it was I think it was media days. You got the quote, "What in golf?" And then you saw uh, I think Alabama beat them that year. It's just it's this it's so weird. It's so it it's so talking season that is is the best way I can put it. Yeah, the the perfect topic to talk about, that's for sure. Uh, We'll express some more opinions about it a little bit later. Also get our callers' thoughts if you're hanging on the line, hang in with us for a little while longer because we're going to have Nathan King here of Auburn 247 uh, and uh, Auburn Undercover as well. We'll be talking all things this and and Auburn football with him in just a few moments. Take our first break of the show. Be back with Nathan King after this. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
All right, welcome back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show here on Tiger 95.9 and Sports Call Auburn. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Mary, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry with you here today. Having trouble getting connected with Nathan King here of 247. Uh, we will uh, try and get on that and try and get him on here in just a moment. Um, but uh, as we wait for him, we'll continue to talk more about, uh, obviously, the, the comments made last night by Nick Saban. He's currently on SiriusXM right now, so there's probably more quotes to get to in a moment. But just to give my thoughts uh, on the matter, I, I found it very interesting um, what he said, obviously, for a multitude of reasons, which the guys primarily already discussed. But the other reason is that I played the entire clip for a reason. I wanted everyone to hear, you know, media can be very dishonest and paint quotes out of context and that sort of thing. So I wanted to give you the yeah. entirety of the context, which was talking about NIL and collectives and that sort of thing. It felt very out of place what Nick Saban said. Um, because he had done what I thought was a very thoughtful and um, deep job of saying this is what NIL was supposed to be, this is how it is in fact going, and this is why it's going that way, and this is what the University of Alabama tries to do. And I thought all that was very thoughtful, and made a lot of sense. But then all of a sudden there in the last minute, minute and a half, he brings up Texas A&M. He says, we were second. Well, I don't know why he needed to talk about them being second after all this. Yeah. You just said what the university does. You just said what you try and do about it and that sort of thing. Um, and then obviously mentioned Deion Sanders and uh, Travis, Travis Hunter yeah. at the very end there as well. And so, I, you know, I, I thought that... Um, it, it just seemed like it was ultimately unexpected, and, and that's why the uncalled for it part as well. It is pretty, you know, I, I, I'm very much in the camp with you guys that you really shouldn't be, as someone that, look, everyone that recruits well does it in a shady way. And, yeah. and, and now with NIL... Uh, you, you say maybe things are less shady because they're above board. Maybe they're more shady because there's more dollars being exchanged. But the, the fact of the matter is, if you are of the opinion that in the past 20 years, 15 years, that all you got to go to a big school was a scholarship, a stipend, and a football to practice with, nope. that is not true and you are wrong. Absolutely not. Um, it is all under the under the table in the past. It is all you know. It's not going to be the insane amounts we're reading about now because it's <laughs> it's much harder to hide those big figures. But we've all heard about the McDonald's bags, Tennessee. We've all heard about the cars, the Dodges at Alabama. The, yep. it, the, there are other things. Look, you you can go in Auburn. You can go anywhere. Go to any college town, and you tell me what the football players are driving. And then you you justify that to me and say that that was done in some other way um, than, than, than through a, a normal, regular means. You Or, or excuse me, you, you tell me that was done some other way than, than being helped out yeah. by the football program. And so this has been going on. That's where Saban is wrong. He is right, however, 
that Texas A&M is doing an egregious amount of this. Yeah, yeah. They, um, they're literally using it. And, and so it is I, – I don't – most will take a side here, and I assume most will take the side of Jimbo. But to, then for Jimbo to say, we've never done anything wrong. That's probably again, not true either. That's not true either. Yeah. So both these guys are wrong in various ways. It's which wrong you want to be – on the side of, and, and that's why this thing is blowing up so much. I mean, you, two of the biggest names in the sport, two of the biggest programs in the sport, and uh, it's just it's just absolute craziness. And uh, we did not think it'd get much crazier, uh, but it continues to get even more crazy. All right, let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line now. We have connected with Nathan King of 247 Sports, Auburn Undercover. Nathan, I assume you know what we've been talking about, uh, but hope you're doing very well and uh, can't wait to talk to you about a, a numerous amount of things going on in college football. Uh, sorry about the delay there. Yes, yes, I am 100%. <laughs> I, I, can, I can pick up the context clues of, of what has been one of the best days on Twitter in the last couple months. So yeah. It's definitely been plenty entertaining. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. And we do have a couple Auburn-specific questions for you, Nathan. Obviously, they got a commitment yesterday, but we will hold off that for the sake of continuity and, and begin talking uh, or continue talking about uh, what's been said between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. I mean, what was your initial reaction uh, both when you saw what Nick Saban said last night and then you saw the fact that Jimbo Fisher was immediately calling a press conference for 10 a.m. this morning? So first of all, I think I mean it's it's obviously just hilarious more than anything. Um, like you said, you know, before I before I got on, it's two of the most uh, prominent coaches in the sport. But it's also two guys that now with Jimbo sort of ascending to this level of recruiting, um, that I mean they're just they're just pointing fingers at each other, saying the exact same thing. I mean, there's no one is necessarily right, or or and no one's really wrong in this scenario either. But it's hilarious more than anything else. I think just because I mean, wasn't Saban. Wasn't he at like a charity event last night, and he decided that would be the right setting to just put homeboy on blast, like just out of nowhere, like with his legs crossed up there, just going at him. I thought that was absolutely hilarious that he decided, yep, May 18th, this is when I'm just going to go scorched earth on Jimbo Fisher. Um, and then, man, I mean, Jimbo, I know Jimbo's a fiery guy, and, and, and I actually, I, Jimbo's personality actually is, is, is pretty fun to me, I think, sometimes. A lot of Auburn fans don't necessarily think so, but... Um, man, I was not expecting that kind of response. I, I think I was expecting something maybe a little more PC, um, you know, just kind of beating around the subject. Um, I mean, that, that relationship between them is done. It's over. And so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how much of this is you – know, it's, it's all so glorified. It's all, um, it's all very performative. I think that's kind of been the word of the year so far in, in sports and beyond. It, it's very showy. I think maybe a little more from Jimbo's side than Nick's side, but of course it's all it's all entertainment. But at the same time, these guys are these guys are trying to stick up for their programs. But for me, it all comes down to everyone like, oh man, no, I can't wait for October eighth. Why? Alabama's going to win fifty-five to seventeen. It does. This is not going to hold any weight on the outcome of, of this year's game. Maybe in a few years, and maybe it matters for you know overall NIL and kind of the trajectory of the sport at large. But. Um, it's just that that's been the funniest part to me. The best tweet of the day was the guy saying, "Wow, Jimbo is heated. I really feel bad for whoever their Duke Mayo Bowl opponent is going to be." 
but yeah, it's just been it's been great entertainment. The content has been tremendous. It, it has been tremendous, and it's great for Auburn fans because Auburn is not for once caught up in it. Uh, necessarily, and w- we started the show by playing the full clip, Nathan, because you mentioned it was, it was like a charity event, and so we wanted to provide the full context just so everybody knew like how it came out, and it seemed to me still very tr- uh, puzzling how it came out because basically for the, the four minutes prior, it was here's what NIL was intended to do, here's how it's actually working out, and here's what the University of Alabama is doing about it. And then, oh, by the way, here's why we only finished second in recruiting. It's because of, it's because of Jimbo Fisher and because they're just a bunch of cheaters over there. Um, and, and so do you think this is the end of this? Do you think this will simmer? Do you think Greg Sankey's going to get involved here? What's the next step? So, yeah, that was disappointing to see. I saw Spencer Hall say, no, don't call the cops now about uh, Ross Bjork, apparently, according to Ross Dellinger, Sports Illustrated. Um, Texas A&M baby is stepping in and saying um, that, that Saban, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sure he's telling the truth, but, you know, he, he broke some sort of bylaws. I mean, I'm sure, you know, maybe on the same wavelength as, like, public tampering and stuff like that. I don't think you can just go out and badmouth, just like you can't do it to officials. I don't think you can just publicly do that to, to your fellow SEC head coach. You can do it like Lane Kiffin does, where he just does it, you know, cryptically with memes and, and tweets, but yeah, Saban Saban might have might have broken some uh, some bylaws there. Um, but yeah, I think you know, unfortunately, this is probably going to settle down, and, and both of them are probably going to avoid the subject a lot at uh, at the spring meetings in Destin. But once SEC media days rolls around, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, because I believe Jimbo is going on the same day as Auburn. I think Texas and Auburn are both on Thursday, so fingers crossed that we that, that it'll have been long enough and both of them particularly Jimbo will feel comfortable um, bringing it back up again but something that Jason called while we just finished up our podcast was brought up a good point about it might have also been Nick Saban kind of nudging the the Alabama NIL people and you know making them you know sort of saying to them in in not so many words hey how come we didn't land these guys you know how how come how come Texas A&M is beating us um, at our own game Um, and so yeah, it's, it's all just a lot of he said, she said, and I think unfortunately um, it will it will come to an end pretty soon. But we can certainly squeeze it for uh, for as much as it's got and and enjoy it like we you know as much as we can. Like you said, all the fans have been able to do that because um, you know for the first time in you know a few months, which you know they they obviously had some off season drama of their own. They're not involved in the drama, so they can just get back and enjoy it. Well, and, and as you also just alluded to. Uh, finally, Auburn going on Thursday for about the 12th straight year of SEC Media Days will finally pay off a little bit. Um, you know, uh, speaking of Auburn, obviously they got a, a really good player last night in Morris Joseph, defensive lineman. Uh, unfortunately, being overshadowed, or, or fortunately, depending on the point of view, uh, being overshadowed a little bit. But a big commitment for Auburn. Tell us a little bit about uh, Morris Joseph. Yeah, so he visited a week ago, um, and it sort of seemed like Auburn had become his leader. Um, at that point, lots of experience for him. Uh, started out his career at UTSA, actually, all the way back in 2017, class of 2017. Um, and so I'm not sure, you know, what Auburn guys you could compare that to, but um, I think maybe a guy like a Kyle Davis. You know, remember him, the wide receiver? I think he might have been class of 2017. So he's been around the game for a while. Some injuries um, came up and ended up transferring to Memphis, where he played for three years. His best season was in 2020, that COVID-shortened year, where Memphis actually ended up playing 11 games that season. Um, he was third in the American in tackles for loss with 11.5, and, and he was fourth in the conference in sacks. Dealt with a bit of a minor injury last season, but was still a decently productive player, four-and-a-half tackles for loss. So 
all told over the past two seasons, he's got 16 and a half PFLs, which, um, you know, if you, if you stack that up on Auburn's roster over the past couple of years, really the only guy that would hold up with is a guy like Derek Hall and so, um, and, and, and Colby Wooden on the interior. So Brian Harson pinpointed three position groups that he knew needed help in the transfer portal. Wide receiver, the, the back end of that defensive backfield, like a safety, and then along the defensive line. That was a couple weeks ago when we talked to him. And, and since then, they've, they've gotten every single one of them. They've checked off all three of those boxes. I think you still 100% need an edge guy just because you only have three scholarship bodies at that position. But this was a bit of an underrated position of need for Auburn looking at the defensive line because so much is made of a guy like Colby Wooden um, and a guy like Marcus Harris. They're both, they're both you know, great players. Colby Wooden will probably be a, be a mid, mid to high round draft pick. But just the depth situation is not great. So you're slowly starting to ease some of those concerns that Auburn fans might have had back in February when the, when the transfer portal was looking pretty dire. You get a guy like Marquise Robinson who pulls out of the portal. Jeffrey Embaugh is here for the spring. He's going to be healthy for the fall. Um, and now you pick up a guy, an experienced player on the interior, and, and Morris Joseph. And so I think the, the depth issues along the defensive line, other than edge, other than pass rushers, they've still got to fix that. But at the true defensive line spots, I think it's mostly been uh, been solved at this point. So you might be looking at one or two more transfers for Auburn because Brian Harkin did say a couple weeks ago he wanted this team to be completed by the end of May because by the time June workout started, he wanted everybody here who was going to be here so we might see a little bit more action um, in the transfer market for Auburn over the next couple of weeks. And Nathan, along these same lines, you've done a great uh, job, and if you, you people out there haven't read it yet, the Tigers Talent Tracker series that you've done over on Auburn Undercover, great, great series that you've done. The latest one that you put, up, put out yesterday was about the Auburn transfers and how they stacked up against the SEC. How does, uh, give us a rundown of, of how that, you know, how they stack up, and does this new transfer affect that ranking anyway? Yeah, jump the gun a little bit. Tonight, um, it's about five or six hours before Morris Joseph um, committed. But I think South Carolina got somebody later in the day too. So you know, there's, there's really no way to know um, when it's going to stop. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't realize Georgia has not brought in a transfer, a, a singular transfer. Um, I think they're in it for that Florida A&M pass rusher, the guy that was like leading the country in in sacks. But um, 12 of the 13 other teams um, in the conference have landed at least five transfers. Texas A&M. Um, only we just talked about them. They only got two transfers, including Max Johnson. But no, if you look at the 24/7 Sports transfer rankings, Auburn was at number eight um, with seven transfers. Now they're up at eight. And as I'm looking at it right now, that does not affect um, that, is, that does not allow them to jump over Kentucky. Kentucky's at number seven um, with eight transfers of their own. But you know, just just as I look through you know certain parts of this this, this five part series, um, you know, it was interesting to kind of gain new perspective on on certain parts of Auburn's roster, because that's, that's all this was really for, is just to assess how does Auburn's roster look compared to everyone else in the SEC. And some things that I had been thinking weren't necessarily correct. And I, I, I had been thinking Auburn would be like at the bottom of the transfer the transfer rankings, just because oh, they hadn't brought in that many guys. Um, and some of these guys you know, didn't really produce. I think Zach Calzada is a really big boost um, for them. And then a guy like DJ James, people, um, people don't really remember um, he was a starter for like a year and a half at cornerback for Oregon, which is a very, very talented defense. So both of those guys are, are boosting this group a little bit, allowing Auburn to be in the middle of the pack there in the in the transfer rankings, which is which is all you can really ask for. Um, right now, I think the biggest thing for Brian Harson and his staff is getting the same level of productivity out of these transfers that they did last season. Because boy, I mean, other than Jordan Ingram at running back, every single transfer they brought in last year mattered. And most of them mattered in a pretty big way. I mean, T.J. Finley, I mean, it ended up 
being a starter the past the last few games of the season. You know, Tony Fair was the starter at nose tackle. By Darius Knighton was the starting safety. Demetrius Robertson was the starting wide receiver. Eculiota became a great player. So it's like you really have to hope that this coaching staff, if you're Auburn, that's going to help you out in a huge way if they can you know, get that same hit rate of production from these guys um, that they did last year in the transfer portal. Talking to Nathan King of 247 Sports Auburn Undercover. One more for you, Nathan. And another uh, nugget of news yesterday that was very significant in college football uh, that the NCAA now allowing uh, conferences to field their own, decide their own championships, basically, uh, in a less constructive way, or, or at least having uh, more ways of doing it. The Pac 12 immediately then announcing that they will have the top two percent by percentage teams, regardless of divisions in their Pac-12 championship game next year. What do you think of this, and what do you think it means for the SEC here down the road? Yeah, the SEC's you know, got to be formulating something moving forward um, in regards to that. I would think this is something that the commissioners were definitely on pace with and understood, considering, like you said, it was such a quick turnaround for the Pac-12 saying, oh, this is, this is our plan, obviously. You know, they, they knew this was coming, and so the SEC is definitely on top of that. You're looking at this time of year is when conference realignment stuff starts to really churn it's like june and july where it dominates the conversation last year the highlighter of course was was the, the scoop at, at sec media day sort of that bombshell um where texas and oklahoma were joining the league um it makes a lot of sense right now in 2022 to do this because in the next couple of years you guys know i mean we're about to see a massive 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 shift in conference realignment you're talking about the big 12 is going to get realigned in a big way and obviously the sec and so it might just make more sense to do away with the, the traditional divisions um, across the sport if it's going to be done in a couple of power conferences. It's probably got to be done in the rest of them. And so we get to speculate for the rest of the offseason and, and until the SEC makes a decision on it, what this sort of pod system could look like um, for Auburn and the rest of the SEC and what the, what the conference at large can look like once Texas and Oklahoma join. But, yeah, I mean, I think it allows for a lot more fun, I think, for all these conferences when you really – um, look at the scheduling possibilities not being locked in. I think a lot of people, um, you know, divisions are, are, are kind of a little bit of an archaic concept. I mean, I, when you look at you know maybe two two of the best teams in the conference that, that should have been competing over the past few years, I don't know if it necessarily even changes. And the SEC, it certainly doesn't. Georgia and Alabama are going to be the best too. It doesn't change for a lot of leagues who would be playing. Um, but you know, teams teams that will I think it'll hurt. We'll see somebody like the ACC, um, where one division has just been so much stronger than the other over the past few years. So, but it does make a lot of sense right now. It does make sense with the timing um, because you've got to get all this stuff figured out you know, a couple of years in advance because it really does feel like we are inching closer and closer as the months go by to, to some sort of announcement about what this major conference realignment is going to look like. Talking to Nathan King here. and Nathan, what do you and the, and the guys have up ahead at uh, Auburn Undercover and 247? I imagine some uh, more coverage on the transfer portal and uh, what else you got going on? Yeah, of course, we'll be, be keeping track of the transfer market to see um, what's going on. They're, they're in on a, uh, um, a JUCO defensive tackle that I talked to earlier this week. That's something that I don't think people have necessarily thought of too much because of, you know, the transfer market is such a big thing. But Auburn's coaches did a great job on the JUCO route. Um, going back to guys like Jeffrey Embaugh and Marquis Gilbert and, and Keontae Scott, so if they can get some help there, maybe that's what they need. Um, Jason Caldwell, of course, is the, is the ace um, baseball coverage guy, and so he's going to have – all the coverage you could ask for, Auburn and Kentucky are playing in Lexington for the final SEC series of the season. And then Auburn softball uh, is in Clemson, which I understand that's where J.J. is, I think. He sure um, is. To, to start the NCAA tournament. So uh, 
you know, football, and you know, we're a couple weeks away from a, from a huge recruiting month in June, so kind of just getting prepared for that. But we're going to have it all um, for you guys over at AuburnUndercover.com. Well, we appreciate the time as always, Nathan. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay, y'all, thanks. That is Nathan King there of 247 Auburn Undercover uh, with fun conversation there about the fun things happening uh, in the world of college football right now. We are going to take our end of first hour break. When we come back, we will hit back up the Auburn Bank phone line. James from Montgomery, retired Ward M. Steve, they're all ahead. We'll get your thoughts on everything going on here in NIL and uh, just a lot of college football news here on a Thursday in May. Gotta love it. This is Sports Call. We'll be right back. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call underway here at Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm joined by Cam Berry and Brooks Childress. Brant Daughtry will be back with us in just a little bit. We're filling in today for J.J. Jackson. He is on the road. He is in Clemson, South Carolina. You heard Nathan allude to it at the end of his interview. Nathan King, we had on an hour number one. that J.J. is in Clemson for the Auburn Softball Regional. They are the two-seed playing a national seed in the Clemson Tigers. But first, they'll have Louisiana's Ragin' Cajuns. Hopefully, Auburn can uh, win some softball games and advance out of that region. But officially, the NCAA tournament is starting here tomorrow. And at this point in the program will be a good time to tell you we will not be starting on time tomorrow because of that. We do anticipate having a show. Of course, it could get canceled like it did in the SEC tournament. I should not promise such things. But I will say that uh, unless something crazy happens, we will not start on time because Auburn softball can be heard right here on Tiger 95.9. That will start at 1.30. You can do the math, a two-hour game plus a little post game, maybe have us on air around 4 o'clock, but keep us – uh, keep it tuned in online and, and keep us tuned in on, on the Tiger and then keep up with our social media as well. Uh, we'll let you know when we can get going tomorrow. All right. Fun so fun show. Ooh, easy for me to say. Fun <laughs> show so far. If I can continue to talk for the next two hours, 
Uh, but uh, going to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line here from some of our callers now, 334-887-341 locally, toll free one 9 tiger 9 and been patiently waiting so far. James from Montgomery. James joins us now. James, thank you for waiting. How are you doing? I'm good, and uh, good afternoon to you guys. Good afternoon to you as well. What's on your mind today? Well, um, I was just listening of the uh, press conference that y'all had uh, about an hour ago about uh, Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban, and I am on Jimbo Fisher's side because with Nick Saban and the NIL deal, I mean, he should have never did anything like that to, you know, to actually get players to come to the University of Alabama to play for him. That that was that was like the wrong terminology of looking at it as a as a head coach of uh, Alabama as well. Yeah, I think everyone is able to use NIL, obviously, and he was just talking about uh, maybe Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher using it inappropriately, but certainly many would point out the way that most most of the top schools have operated for a long time now has been some <laughs> form or fashion of bending the rules, and I think that's what a lot of people are getting at Saban for. Yeah, because, I mean, with Nick Saban, he's, he's trying to, like, get the players into – Coming well, actually, like recruiting them without without a without a recruiting being without a recruiter being present with him on his coaching um, trails that, he, that some of these coaches do. Because when you are a coach of a of a uh, of a higher standard in college, you always have to have like a recruiter with you at all times, and you have to realize that when you talk to the parents, they have to know what their kid is going to be looking at or, you know, that that should be in any coach's mindset as a college head coach, you know, to talk to the parents and tell them, hey, I want your son or daughter to play for, for this university or for that university. But it's just not with a lot of with a lot of NIL deals being added to them because these – I mean, for the for the college football uh, players, these are not professional stars. These are not professional stars that you see in the NFL or in NBA or in any professional sport of that matter. These are college uh, college kids that are playing at a college level, and I think with the NIL deal being put in place, I mean, they should you know they should have known. You know, these are not professional athletes. These are kids. These are tw- these are 20, 30, 30-year-old 30 kids that are in college, and they're going to be there for four years, and after those four years, they might go into the professional league at some point in time. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of different opinions on NIL. Uh, there's a lot of different opinions on how it should be used. It, it's, it's a thing that's here. It's probably going to stick around uh, for a while. It's just going to be how you regulate it and – yeah, and it's uh, you know you get the the back and forth of Nick Saban and uh, and uh, Jimbo Fisher going back and forth now, and so I'm sure Nick Saban has some comments a little bit uh, about an hour ago on the uh, on ESPN or yeah ESPN Radio on SiriusXM. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure we'll hear some of those coming up later, and we'll get some more more stuff flowing around there. What else you got for us today, James? Well, I'm actually uh, taking in the uh, PGA Tour tournament right now, and I uh, just. Did the uh, PGA 
uh, fantasy league right now, and I've just got a lot of Auburn, uh, great Auburn golf players that are actually playing in my fantasy league right now. So I did that earlier this morning as well. Like who? Um, I don't have the list with me. Um, let me get it for you. Because um, some of the guys, I actually picked them as well. So um, I think I have the list. Yes, I have it. Okay. I have, uh, I have Dustin Johnson, John uh, Ronham, and Colin, uh, I can't pronounce his last name. Is, I do apologize. Is it Morikawa? Yeah, Morikawa. Colin Morikawa. Uh, uh, those are all some good, good quality picks. I don't think any of them went to Auburn, but um, I, I know Jason Duffner's in the field, yeah. and he went to Auburn. Yeah, so I, I, um, I did uh, pick uh, Jason in there because with that, I mean, Jason, I probably see him winning the uh, PGA Tour uh, tournament as well. Yeah, PGA Championship in uh, Southern Hills. Unfortunately, Tiger Woods did not have a good day today. He was four over parties in the. Uh, uh, around 100th place out of yeah, 150. He was in some pain today. Um, right now. And so, uh, yeah, he uh, he did not have the best day. Uh, but, yeah, some of those names that you, you got on there, James, are some of the uh, top golfers in the world. And I'm sure one of those guys will at least compete at the end of the week. Yes, that's all because uh, this is actually my first time ever seeing the uh, PGA uh, Championship Tournament. And, you know, it, it, it's just a really – good thing for me to actually watch like some of the history that they've done earlier this morning about like some of the some of the great legendary golf players of uh, of the golden ears of uh, years past of the PGA Tour as well some of the great legends that are actually in the PGA Tour Hall of Fame as well yeah the PGA Championship is it's not quite the most prestigious uh, P- golf tournament of the year but um it's a big one. It's one of the majors, one of the four majors, and it's always fun to see the, all the history behind it and the uh, when they bring it up and it goes to different golf courses every single year. So always a fun tournament to watch, always a lot of competition in that one. What else you got for us today, James? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at some uh, NBA uh, basketball in a few minutes from now and seeing if Boston is actually going to take a, a one-to-one lead on uh, – on the Miami Heat and uh, seeing if they're going to win, actually. And then uh, tomorrow, uh, the Dallas Mavericks will be playing on Friday um, against the Golden State Warriors. So it's going to be a hard uh, game, too, for uh, Luka Doncic and and uh, Johnny Smith and, and uh, Jason Kidd and seeing if they're going to actually bounce back from game one. Yeah, well, wanted to get and see. Hoping you were calling today, James, so that we could get your uh, your take on it. How did you think your Mavericks did last night, even though they lost? Um, well, we did we didn't do pretty good on the first quarter, but in the second and third quarter, we tried to come back with a good with a good uh, bounce back. But I'm just trying to see how we're going to do on Friday night. So I'm just going to look at some uh, you know highlights from Game One and seeing what we need, like what they need to work on as well for game two and Friday and then Saturday and then maybe Sunday as well. 
Yeah, obviously a long series ahead for for your team, James, and uh, obviously best four out of the seven for a reason, but uh, still a long way to go in that one. As you said, game two will be Friday and then game three on Sunday, and it'll just keep going and going until uh, someone wins four. Last thought or two for us, James, before we have to let you go. Uh, well, I'm actually, my last thought is that I hope Auburn wins against Kentucky. So I know we're playing them back to back. So I think we might win this. And I hope, uh, I hope I'll see them, you know, maybe next year in 2023 and beyond. Absolutely, James. And of course, Auburn softball as well. They're in the NCAA tournament this weekend. So they've got to win that regional to keep playing this year. Yes, as well, because I am going to be watching, I'm going to be listening to that game. And uh, seeing if there's going to be any uh, any moonshots from from the uh, softball team in Auburn, we certainly hope so. Of course, Brielle's still trying to get her freshman record-breaking home run of number 19. So uh, we certainly hope that happens. We hope Auburn hits a lot of moonshots this weekend, yes, James. Uh, yes, as well. And then this coming up weekend, I will be watching the NASCAR All Star uh, Weekend, uh, the NASCAR All Star Break. From I think they're doing it in uh, I think it's in Texas this year. It is. It is. Yeah. So I'm actually going to be seeing that as well. And um, there won't be any NASCAR uh, due to the All Star break. So after the All Star weekend is over, then they'll just uh, wrap it up as well. Because I think this is uh, the sixth week of the. Um, the NASCAR Cup uh, standings as well. So this is uh, week six in the uh, NASCAR schedule as well. They've run a few more races than that. I believe there's about 12 races in now at this point. They've had a bunch of different winners and uh, that sort of thing. So there's been a lot of parity uh, in NASCAR so far. But, uh, yeah, they're at Texas this weekend for the All-Star race, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We appreciate appreciate the time today. James, call us back tomorrow and get more of your thoughts over the weekend. All right, sounds good on War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Let's take one more quick phone call before our next timeout of the show. Daryl from Auburn. Daryl joins us. Daryl, how are you doing? Hey, guys. Let me step outside. I thought you were going to take War Damn Steve's call first, but I'm going to make it sweet and short. I got a sports trivia question. Okay. How many times did Jimbo Fisher say despicable in his response to Saban? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, a lot. Three or four. Okay. I lost count. Uh, it's almost like politicians. Uh, you know, I'm, I've been hearing a lot of political stuff going on, but it's entertaining with the sports world that uh, they start mudslinging at each other, you know. Oh, Maybe yeah. It's for, are are, is, are you in cahoots with Paul Feinbaum to put him up with that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I know Paul's going to have some interesting things to say as well. And we saw that the uh, commissioner of the league just uh, reprimanded both Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. We can get into that a little bit later as well. But uh, but uh, yeah, this certainly caused quite a stir here in college football. The commissioner did what? Commissioner of the SEC reprimanded. Both of them, just a just a public statement, basically not condoning what's been going on. Okay, well, the good thing they weren't at Oscars and slapped each other, huh? <laughs> right. Anyway, that's all I got to say about that. All right, Daryl. Anyway, when when y'all gonna start playing your little thunder chicken game? 
Yeah, well, we're really excited about that. The The league has not opened yet, but we know last year we started the last week of June, so we're thinking probably about a month away or so. Okay. Well, maybe the price of gas will get up to $6 a gallon by that time. What do you think? Well, I, ho- I certainly hope not. Uh, I absolutely I do not, not want that. I will be walking. Well, I, I got a Peugeot bicycle on an old Schwinn mountain bike, so I'll be out there. All right. Well, that sounds great, Daryl. We look forward to seeing you out there. Okie dokie. Well, y'all have a great day. All right, Daryl. We appreciate the phone call. As Daryl from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. And take our first break of our number two. When we come back, retired Ward AMC will join us. This is the Thursday edition of Sports Call. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now, back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Thursday afternoon. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry rejoins here. Hello. At the uh, basically halfway point of the show today, a busy show so far, and it will continue to do so. So we'll go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341. Locally toll-free, one 888 9 tiger9 are the numbers to reach us today. Next up, Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve joins us. Steve, thank you for being patient with us. Hope you're doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Good afternoon to you, Mr. Ryan LaVoy, Mr. Bruce Shields, Mr. Brent Daughtry. And one more. Uh, Cam Berry. That's yeah, it. You guessed it. All right. Well, you know, can't we just all get along? <laughs> Why can't we be friends? All right, that's all yeah. I'm saying. We'll, do. well, in the words of uh, Mr. Lane Kiffin today, I don't know if you saw this one, uh, quote, I'm speechless for the first time in my entire life. <laughs> We're referring to the uh, uh, temper tantrum between uh, uh, Mr. Uh, I, Nick Saban, and uh, Mr. Texan A&M, Jimbo Fisher. Look, guys, you know what this has come down to, right? What's that? What, what, is, <laughs> what I believe this is all about is Saban doesn't like it when somebody beats him in his own game. I can agree to and, that. And Jimbo Fisher finally beat him in his own game. He outmaneuvered him. He outplayed him. And, of course, now, you know, I have this. Uh, I don't even know if you could hear it on, uh, on my iPhone. Uh, but uh, he was asked by uh, some reporters, you know, about Nick Saban and ever going uh, his time when he was with him, and he says, you know, when you coach under someone like Bob Bowden, you learn, you know, how to yep. coach. And when you coach under someone like some other people, you learn how not to coach, right? <laughs> and then he went on to say, and I'll never go back to that guy with given many opportunities. Um, no way, you know, uh, that I'll ever go back to him. But what I find, guys, is that there's no side to this. These people are... Uh, equally hypocritical. 
Absolutely. I would, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, first, first, first example is first, uh, I heard your comments, Ryan, that uh, apparently the commissioner is merely reprimanding them. I'm, I'm just kind of surprised. I'm not, I wish I had an email for Greg Sankey and ask him, why aren't you finding uh, Nick Saban? Because he did a lot more serious than what uh, you know, A&M uh, Jimbo Fisher has done. He's really defending uh, the attacks. But it was actually Nick Saban who's alleging some improprieties, wasn't he, in some of his comments, alleging that these guys were bought off uh, by Fisher or, or by the athletic department or Texas A&M, right? Yeah. yeah I don't think he's and, alleging then, anything. He's outright saying it. Well, he ain't, he, he's not stopping it there because then I've got this little uh, stuff from CBS today where Nick Saban said what? Jackson State paid a guy $1 million, that's a quote, last year, who was a really good Division One player to come to their school, said Saban. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. No one did anything about it. Well, hold on, Nicky. Uh, wasn't it Nick Saban last year that was bragging about one of his star quarterbacks getting a six-figure NIL deal? Uh, I don't think he was bragging about it. He did say that, but uh, it was kind of in the same context of uh, kind of unbelievable how much these, these guys are making now. Well, that, to me, was kind of bragging. Why did you have to bring that up? He did. And this is not, by the way, this is really an allegation that's unfounded, according to what I've been reading from CBS. He said Jackson State paid a guy $1 million. Well, it says here that uh, Mr. Uh, Travis Hunter Jr. Uh, says the dollar amount would appear to stem from reports which have been refuted that Hunter earned a million dollars through an NIL deal with Barstool Sports. I remember that. But that's been refuted. So that to me, I, I mean, how is he being allowed to get away with making that kind of a charge? And it says it's been refuted by CBS Sports. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I don't uh, – I mean, I, I'm sure Hunter got some sort of deal from someone. Now, if you're going to Jackson State, the, the reality is you're probably going to get it from someone like Barstool. You're not going to get it more directly from a right. booster of Jackson State. But he's alleging in that quote, uh, Ryan – because there's a quote here from right. CBS Sports. He said, Jackson State paid the guy a million dollars last year, and no one did anything about it. And then I guess you may have seen the uh, response by uh, Mr. Deion Sanders, Mr. Prime, Coach Prime. Uh, I did see the tweet, yes. Uh, I love what he said. You best believe I'll address that lie Coach Saban told tomorrow. And then he goes on to say, what? We as a people don't have to pay our people in bold letters, to play with our people. So now he's got – he's attacking him, too. You know, he just can't stand it when other coaches somehow outmaneuver him, right, or somehow, you know, outpay somebody. Uh, I'm sure, you know, Kirby, Kirby Smart's just being real quiet, isn't he? Yes, we have not heard uh, Kirby Smart. Yeah, I, I, I said this in a conversation earlier uh, off-air – uh, I'll be shocked if Kirby Smart opens his mouth oh, yeah, I, one I bit. Hey, he's he's going to get as far away from this as possible. But do you think that Jimbo Fisher should be reprimanded? Um. So I mean, I mean yeah. In the sense, about, about what though? All he did was defend the attacks that he saw uh, by Nick Saban that, that he was doing some impropriety here. Yeah, but you he don't attacked back a you, little bit. You don't often see coaches. I mean, he. I, I know that part of it is defense but also 
he was also kind of assaulting the character of Nick Saban as yeah. well. And whether you believe that to be true or not, that's not something that college football coaches do every day. Well, I mean, assault, he just said, I never worked for the guy. Uh, he, he said more more than that. I mean, he he, uh, he called him hypocritical, and he called him, uh, you know, the, he, he, he jokingly called him, you know, czar of college football and God and, and, and right, alleged, right. alleged wrong dealings does, that they're doing that and that warrant, sort of thing. But does that warrant a reprimand? Uh, otherwise, you know, hey, uh, why don't we take uh, yes, Lane it does. Kiffin's crap? But, I mean, Lane Kiffin, he's, he, he's gone after Nick Saban many times in an underhanded way, maybe in a sarcastic way, right? Yeah, but not directly like this in a press conference and yeah. with a special press conference. Yeah, yeah. It's Lane Kiffin makes rat. Attack. Lane Kiffin makes rat poison jokes all the time, but I, I don't think that's nearly on this on the same level of what Jimbo said today. Okay, well, I'm just to me the level of egregiousness is more with Nick Saban than it is with what uh, Jimbo Fisher alleges. Okay, well, uh, I, I can't wait to um, media days. That ought to be. Uh, a real barn fire. Uh, so we'll uh, move on, guys. I'm surprised that Mr. Nathan King didn't mention our golf team, the men's golf team, and the women's golf team. You know, the men's golf team came in second. They did. They, they advanced the next round. To Oklahoma, which was apparently ranked the number one team in the country. I believe they were, yes. Yeah, that was quite uh, uh, quite a performance. And uh, the women's team, uh, they'll be uh, – Starting uh, play is it uh, Monday? Yes, yes, Monday. Yes, I saw the ungodly time, six or six thirty in the morning. I think. Yeah, I mean, you get out there early, try to beat the heat a little bit out there in Arizona. Beat the heat? You're you're you're, you're gonna beat the the early morning dew. <laughs> True. Six o'clock. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully, uh, um, they'll uh, do really well. And guys, you know about because I just saw this. Uh, New York Times about the uh, pay for equality uh, in soccer, right? Yeah, the the, the U.S. Soccer Federation, uh, the men's and women's both ratified a new collective bargaining agreement the other day. Yeah, uh, it's about time. I didn't even know uh, how that went on for so long. But then I read the details, and something more they said that has never been done, uh, apparently, as part of the agreement. Uh, I'm reading from the Times here. It says uh, that the uh, U.S. soccer team receives... Uh, money from FIFA uh, for their participation in the World Cups. Well, starting in 2022, the men's tournament, and then 2023, the women's World Cup, that money will be shared equally among members of both teams. And they went on to say that no other country has ever done this. Yeah, the uh, the uh, women's team has definitely been putting up a fight for the last few years to try to get more equal pay between the men's and the women's because if you look at it historically the women's team has been a more on the national or on the international stage has been more um more successful than the men have and so this is a big step for not just u.s soccer but for world soccer with uh getting this money from fifa yeah uh i think it's, it's way past due but guys do you know what triggered this agreement i know they've gone to court uh but uh, it was a court ruling that led to this agreement, or, or what? Uh, how did they have leverage to finally get uh, the, the men's soccer team to agree to do this? Well, I, I mean, you look at the entire time the, the the women have been fighting for this. The men's the men's players have been pretty much on the women's side too. It's been more of the the um, the upper management of U.S. soccer. The 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 
the commissioners and all that that have been more pushing back a little bit. But you you finally got to the point where you've got a new collective bargaining. Like like I say, you got the new collective bargaining agreement. That was one of the biggest things is that. <clears throat> You had signed the collective bargaining agreement a few years back, and then you start bringing up the fight. And so that was the biggest argument is why'd you sign this if you didn't think it was a fair deal and back and forth between those. You finally got another chance to sign a new collective bargaining agreement. And then you've also had a lot of staff turnover at the very top of U.S. soccer. And so it was kind of kind of all came together right here for this new deal to, to finally push that across the finish line. Okay. All right. We'll leave all real quickly, guys. Did you happen to come across uh – and I'm surprised Nathan King didn't bring it up. CBS Sports uh, rankings of Power Five coaches. I did see this. I, I I glanced at it a little bit, but I saw that uh, Brian Harson slipped a little bit in the, their latest rankings. Yeah, he slipped. Uh, I think more than just a little bit. He came in at where number forty-eight. Hmm. Out of number forty-eight. Uh, forty-eight out of out of fifty. Out of 50, yes. He fell from 34 last year. Yeah, that, that's not super shocking. I mean, it's, with the way the season finished and then uh, the, well, the, the, drama, the drama of the offseason, yeah, that's not uh, incredibly so, shocking. And, you know, he, he's it's no secret. He's going to have to do a great job to turn this thing around. I think he can do it, but, you know, it, it would, still remains to be seen. That doesn't that drop is not a uh, super shocking to me. So they were only ranking the, the top 50 Power 5 coaches, not all the Power 5 coaches, correct? Correct, correct. Okay, gotcha. I That's why I said 50, because I know there's more than 50 teams in the Power Five, so that's why I was then confused. But I got you. Right. And then a uh, survey went out today, I think it's either by Nathan King or Jason Callup, but I filled it out, uh, asking a variety of questions to uh, those who subscribe to 247 Sports. And the one I want to throw out to you guys is they had, what do you believe will be Auburn's uh, record this year? And you had Choices: five or less wins, uh, six to seven, seven to nine, uh, eight, uh, eight to nine, and then ten plus. What would you guys go with? I believe. I believe. Ugh, goodness, easy for me to say. I believe nice. it'll be somewhere between uh, six and eight. I know that wasn't an option given, but you know, I think six, seven, and eight total wins are kind of the the span that Auburn should fall in. Um, and, and again, you know, there are so many up-in-the-air games, games that are so tough to predict. And, you know, I also, my goodness, it's May 19th. Why are we predicting college football games right now? But uh, I, I understand it's talking season. We need, we need things to talk about. But, you know, it, it's I, I think right now if you ask me to put a total on it, I'll say seven and a half. I'll set that as my over-under. Yeah, I got eight. Okay, I, get, I said eight. Uh, to me, if you make less than eight, then um, I'm not sure – you know, if uh, Coach Harson is going to survive. In fact, that was one of the questions they asked uh, uh, in the survey. Um, do you think that Coach Harson will uh, uh, be uh, be around on the 2022 season or not? I said yes. What's your guys' take? Well, well, we talked about it the other day, and Brant said that if, if we get seven wins, it just depends on the quality of the wins and the quality of the losses. I think, and I agree with him. If it, if we have a, a, a seven win season and it's it's quality seven wins, and we're being competitive in those other losses, then I think Carson stays. I I I think that's really where it is. I I think he'll be coaching with us next season though. But if if we if we only win six games though, then no. But okay. I don't I don't think that's going to be the case. 
Uh, yeah, uh, I just saw the uh, at least one Vegas uh, gambling site that has their win totals uh, for Auburn anyway. Uh, you know what the win total is predicted for Auburn? No, what is it? If you, it's six and a half. Yeah, I was going to say probably okay. six and a half. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's fair. Six and a half. And last year it was six and a half also. There you so, go, and they were uh, um, they were close to having a much different record, and ultimately fall, fell uh, right below the over under. So the over under ended up being very good last year. Yeah, last year, guys, you know, uh, I don't want to rehash past, but we could have definitely had at least eight wins. You know, right? I Absolutely. Agree. Oh yeah. Absolutely. As I, I keep going back to it, if Auburn continues that Mississippi State game the way they do, Bo Nix is out of that game by midway through the third quarter. He yeah. never breaks his ankle. He's hopefully healthy through the rest of the season. You beat Alabama with better quarterback play. You beat South Carolina with better quarterback play. Absolutely. Um, Who was the other team? Nine wins. Yeah, I mean, you have have nine wins. You're knocking on the door of ten, perhaps. And then, you know, you've got a bowl game at the end of the season. You know, it's – that last season was such a – Man, how did it how did it all unravel? Yeah, how did it all unravel so quickly? Uh, Starting six and two, you had just beaten a top ten team. Uh, and then everything just went to hell in a handbasket so fast. And I think Brian Harson can pull it back up. I think he's going to have to get some good quarterback play and a little bit of luck, but I, I think he can do it. Last thing yeah. for us, Steve. Last thing. Uh, I saw where Coach uh, Bruce Pearl, uh, someone that was on 247 Sports, made the comment that he didn't see um, them trying to get any uh, transfers or any other people uh, to fill that one uh, last, uh, I guess, uh, opening. He's just going to stay with – uh, what we have is, is that what you've read most of the people that I have heard or listened to say that Auburn is going to try to fill that spot but I don't know any names right now and you know we do still have a while uh he's Bruce has time to evaluate but uh I I think Auburn is going to try to fill that spot but I'm not sure I, I would translate that into they're not going to fill the scholarship for the saking of for the sake of filling the scholarship but they find someone that they really think can help this yeah, this they team they will uh, if not, then they'll end up probably doing the route of end up ultimately giving a walk on a scholarship halfway through the season, as we see a lot of programs do. But but essentially, if they if they don't feel that there's a need that can be fit then they're or met, then they're not going to fill it. All right, all right, guys. Thank you as always, always for the time that you uh, give me. Um, I know my time now is way up, so uh, until probably tomorrow, and hopefully uh, we'll have a win to talk about for the softball team. Uh, have a safe evening, and uh, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve, we appreciate that phone call. As always, that is retired War Dan Steve joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. One last time out here of hour number two. More sports call after this. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Last segment of hour number two of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Brant Daughtry, Cam Berry with you here this afternoon. Just had a phone call with retired Wardam Steve on our Auburn Bank phone line. And, of course, busy day today. In hour number three, we will take a break from some of this Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher NIL because uh, contrary to popular belief, that's not the only thing happening in the world. Um, but uh, we will talk more college football in that. We will talk about uh, the magnitude of the NCAA's decision yesterday to kind of allow conference championship games to, to function differently and conferences to crown their champions differently. Uh, we'll also talk Auburn baseball and Auburn softball as uh, they will both play games before you hear us next. Auburn baseball is in Lexington for three games at Kentucky. Auburn softball is in Clemson for the regionals uh, of the NCAA tournament. So we'll preview some of that in our number three as well. There's a whole host of other things we'll love to talk about, but we'll not be able to get into the program today, uh, or at least not in a uh, major fashion. Didn't want to read this quote kind of looping back to what we've talked about primarily for the first two hours of the show today. We alluded to it on the phone call with Steve, but here's the official statement uh, from the SEC on the Jimbo Fisher and uh, Nick Saban discourse. The membership of the Southeastern Conference has established expectations for conduct and sportsmanship that were not met last night nor today, said Sankey. A hallmark of the SEC is intense competition with an environment of collaboration. Public criticism of any kind does not resolve issues and creates a distraction from seeking solutions for the issues facing college athletics today. There is tremendous frustration concerning the absence of consistent rules from state to state related to name, image, and likeness. We need to work together to find solutions that will be, and that will be our focus at the upcoming SEC spring meetings. Of course, those spring meetings happening in a few days. As a result of public comments made on May 18th by Alabama head coach Nick Saban, a public reprimand is issued for comments he made in violation of SEC bylaws 10.2.3 and 10.5.2 related to ethical conduct for derogatory comments and public criticism of another institution's athletics programs. As a result of public comments made on May 19th by Texas A&M head coach Jimbo Fisher, a public reprimand is issued for comments he made in violation of of SEC bylaw 10.5.2 related to ethical conduct for public criticism of another member institution's staff. So essentially, to sum all that up, (laughs) um, Greg Sankey and the commissioner giving uh, two public reprimands for Alabama head coach Nick Saban relating to last night's uh, uh, comments in uh, in violating two uh, SEC bylaws and Jimbo Fisher violating one SEC bylaw uh, for um, that 10.5.2. And uh, so, yeah, there is a a lot there. Uh, Effectively, it does not mean anything, uh, but just uh, a public public notice that Greg Sankey is not living under a rock and is not happy uh, with uh, what was said over the last 24 years hours or so real quickly we can go back to our auburn make phone line for just one minute and i believe we've got ricky from troy on ricky what what do you got for us hey guys war eagle war eagle, war eagle. you know what we've been talking about nick Saban and just all day um you know what there are other sports going on in the country right now other than college football which is by the way in the off season um 
You know, the NCAA softball tournament is starting tomorrow. The field of 64 is starting tomorrow on Friday. Other than Oklahoma, who do you guys like this year? I don't like them people from UNC Wilmington. That's too much. That's too much. Well, uh, well, Ricky, that's a great question. Uh, you know, obviously, Oklahoma's had a dominant season in the Big 12. Uh, you always got to look at teams like UCLA as, as being in the mix. Uh, you look at some national seeds there. Uh, and, and there's going to be uh, a lot of teams vying for I think there's a pretty large gap below Oklahoma, so I think you could say a lot of the national seeds below them uh, are going to be all duking out for a spot there against Oklahoma. But but as you allude to, I'd be very surprised if Oklahoma uh, did, well, not, did not win at all. Well, boys, you know Alabama, of course, overseeded this year, as they always are in the NCAA tournament. Heck, they proved it last year. But, but, but you guys are in Auburn, Alabama, okay? We are you in guys, Auburn. You guys are in Auburn, Alabama. Auburn's in a tough regional. It's a lot a, of Tigers in the, in the regionals. It's a rematch of the 2015 NCAA Super Regional. Tell me a little bit about this Louisiana team and this Auburn Tiger matchup tomorrow. The 2-3 matchup in Clemson. Yeah, well, it's a great matchup. And obviously, Louisiana with, with a great record. Uh, this is a team that uh, you, you like to you, you don't like to see first and foremost because they are accustomed to playing winning softball. Uh, obviously, Auburn lost in a situation like this last year to UCF, a, a kind of similar caliber of team, and, and Louisiana uh, has a, a, a head coach that uh, Coach Mickey Dean wanted to see as Auburn's hitting coach way back when he got uh, to the plane. So obviously, Louisiana. Uh, is going to be a formidable opponent. Auburn has got big bats, but they've been banged up lately. So hopefully Auburn uh, can muster together whatever health they've got remaining uh, and, and return to form that we've seen throughout SEC play with a lot of power. Yeah, Jerry Glasgow is a great I coach. I Auburn Ralph, Ralph, Ralphie, I, I Ralphie, Auburn Ralphie, Ralphie. I'm sorry, boys. It's my cousin Ralphie. Ralphie, go ahead. I, I just really want Auburn to win, and I just I want you guys to know that we look forward to this show every single day. And I tell you what, is, is there a Brooks? Is there a Brooks? I think he's my favorite. Well, thank you very much, Ralphie. Hey, thank you very much, boys. I, 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 I got a question. All right, last you? thing for us. We got we, Then we got to go to the end of the hour. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Uh, real quick. If Hulk Hogan and Steve Cold Stone Austin got into wrestling, <laughs> hey, Warrior boys. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that question another time. Thank you for the call, Ricky from Troy, and that will mercifully put an end to hour number two. Oh, well, that was interesting. Uh, that was fun. Always appreciate yeah, all of our great callers, including Ricky and Ralphie from Troy. There, that uh, that will do it for hour number two. More fo- more fun after this timeout.
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three of Sports Call kicking off right now. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Cam Berry, and Brent Daughtry with you here on this Thursday afternoon on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast. If you missed it earlier, uh, we've spent basically two hours talking about Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. Um, it has been a lot. And uh, we also played their audio. If you want to go back and listen to what they actually said, not the opinions of what they said, but what they actually said, uh, we will have that on our Sports Call podcast for you to listen shortly after the show. It was uh, really what we let off the show with because we wanted to always make sure we provided the, the full context of everything. Oh, yeah. And so... Uh, and since we've been letting everyone, including ourselves, get opinions in on the matter, uh, just had some phone calls in hour number two about that from Steve, James, Daryl, and then uh, Ricky from Troy. Uh, and we want to shout out to Ricky on Twitter, a different Ricky, uh, who said, at Sports Call AU, at Ryan LaVoy Zero, at Realbrook C. Easy with the use of Ricky there, Ricky, hashtag OG, hashtag original Ricky D. Uh, and I can <laughs> vouch for Ricky D on Twitter. He is the original Ricky uh, and uh, has been uh, tweeting at the show for a long time. We appreciate that very much. Go Raiders. Uh, yeah, Raiders fan. Uh, he likes Notre Dame. Um, we, oh, that's are, fun. We, are we getting into a Ricky bio right now? <laughs> uh, but uh, he knows the Tampa St. Pete Clearwater area well, uh, and so we appreciate Ricky uh, very much. Um, uh, in this third hour, we're going to talk a, a few different things. Um, I want to start off with, a, a little bit more college football news um, because we continue to get more of it. Uh, a, we know Jordan Addison, the Blitnikoff winner uh, from Pittsburgh, is transferring to USC. But B, wanted to spend more time talking about news that happened yesterday, kind of as the show was wrapping up. Don't believe it was really talked about on the show yesterday. But that is uh, involving the NCAA. And they have now paved the way for conferences to kind of crown their champions however they so choose. No guidelines on it, no ways of having to do conference championship games. The NCAA laxing those rules and regulations there. And just essentially simultaneously, the, the Pac-12 put out a statement that said that they will uh, not do the same type of Pac-12 championship game uh, that they've done in the past. They will keep divisions for this year for the scheduling purposes because they're already so deep into the process right. but they will take the top two win percentages regardless of what division they reign from and those two teams will play a pac-12 championship game so there are many ways of doing it um, but uh, this is a way that will probably be fairly common uh, in the new structure of college football but guys obviously paving the way for 
uh, a new look college football, and then again more paving the way for what eventually will be, I assume, elimination of divisions in all the Power Five conferences, included the SEC. I uh, I think it's it's a good I. I've I've been behind it. I've I've said it on the show before that I'm behind moving kind of away from division winners getting to the playoffs, and I think it's a good move, especially for the Pac-12. The SEC kind of you know you we've talked about it before about playoff chances. The SEC is not not you know nobody's guaranteed a playoff spot, but the SEC is basically guaranteed a playoff spot every single year because of the conference they play in. The Pac-12 is one of these conferences that you really would like the help and this is going to give them a little bit of help it may be not every single year you look at last year's rankings Oregon and uh, Utah both were the two teams that would have made it to the Pac-12 championship game and that was that's how it happened they were both 10 and 4 overall uh, Utah was 8 and 1 in the conference Oregon was 7 and 2 in conference play and they would have both been in the Pac-12 championship game but say you get to a Pac-12 end of the season Pac-12 championship game and you've got a an Oregon team in one division, you know, if you're staying with the divisions, you've got one division, you've got an Oregon team, you know, undefeated. And then in the other division, you've got a, you know, we'll, we'll stick with Utah. We'll have a Utah team that's got two losses. Well, you go in there and Utah goes in and beats Oregon. Well, guess what? Oregon's now got a loss, but they're not the conference champion. You can't necessarily pack 12 or the, uh, the playoff committee's not going to take a two loss conference champion over a second SEC team. But say on the other side of things, hey, you've got uh, Oregon at you know undefeated in the in conference play, and then right behind them is a one loss Washington State team in the same division, and their one loss was to Oregon. Well, if Washington State gets chosen to go to that Pac-12 championship game, a rematch with Oregon, Washington State wins. That's a one loss conference champion, but you beat the best team in your conference. That's going to give you more bonus points toward getting a possible playoff berth. I think it helps a conference like the Pac-12. I think it's straight. If if it if we continue to go down this road like we think it's going to, and you hit that, you know, everybody goes to this kind of field. It's going to bolster the SEC because yeah. now you're going to have your best two, your best best two. And even though one of them, it, it can be like the it, it's like the situation where even though one of these teams lost to the other one this year, guess what? They still could get in, and with the SEC, it, it's 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 a way. That you know, like you said, Ryan, everything's starting to move that way. This definitely helps the Pac-12's playoff chances. In this case, that the two, your two best teams, record-wise, are in the same division, and you've got you know a, a team that's lower down in the in the standings on the other side, winning the Pac-12, whatever division. Yeah, uh, I guess I'll take it. Um, I was about to say, other thoughts, <laughs> comments, concerns? Yeah, I, the divisions uh, have kind of, I feel like everybody feels like they've kind of played themselves out. Um, it, mostly because I want to see Auburn play different teams. Um, in in my living memory, uh, Auburn's played Florida four times. Right. That used to be a massive rivalry. Tennessee, I can think of two games that I've seen. Tennessee, well, four and two of them happened in the same year in 2004. Um you know, it's a bunch of it, Missouri has been in the conference since 2012, and they are coming to Jordan Hare Stadium for the first time this year. They've Absolutely been in the conference for a decade, and they've insane. never been to Auburn. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, so the division thing is kind of, for that reason, I think outlived its purpose. Um, 
my, my question is, what is the SEC going to do instead? We, we've heard a lot about the pod system. Uh, I'm a big fan of you have three. Te- you have two three. teams that you play every single year, yeah. and then you have everybody else is just kind of random, or you have even-year opponents and odd-year opponents, and you make that as fair and balanced as you possibly can. And, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, like, hey, Auburn plays Alabama and Georgia every year. You flip-flop which one you play at home and which one you play away. And, you know, you just kind of play the rest of the teams in your conference. Uh, and, you know, with Oklahoma and Texas joining, I don't want to have to wait 10 years for to Auburn to, to travel to Austin. Yeah. You know, I I want I want the teams in the SEC to play each other. That's why you're in the same conference, so you can play against each other. So I, I, I'm ready for I'm ready for divisions to be done. Um, deciding who plays in your championship is going to be tough, but uh, I, I still think that you remember in the mid 2010s when it was very, very clear that the best three teams in the SEC were Alabama, Auburn, and I guess LSU. The thing is, yeah. the problem is those are all three in the same division. Right. So even though they're the three best teams, and whoever it is, be it a mediocre Georgia team or a bad Florida team or a bad Missouri team, is just going to go get offered to whichever one of those three is left standing. Uh, and it, I think it would be a lot better if the best teams could play each other. And in those years, I think that would have been the case. What they said, honestly, they kind of they kind of cleaned it all up for real. Honestly, um, I I think I would like to see three consistent teams. I think I'd like us to face LSU every year as well as Georgia and and Alabama. Um, and I guess I would almost create the pod system that some people have kind of talked about. And I wouldn't really be against against that. Um, I feel like we would probably have the toughest pod, but. Um, by a lot yeah yeah you know I, I mean that's just kind of how it falls to us just because those are our biggest rivals I mean they're the toughest in in the SEC and they happen to be Auburn's biggest rivals um, I think that again like you were talking about Brant with facing other teams multiple times or uh, over the years I think that would be the biggest help with everything yeah I, I think with um we kind of ran the math on this. I say math in air quotes uh, a week or two ago. Um, but when we were talking about the scheduling model, you would need to do two things, which technically are not in place right now. So you have to change two things. One, obviously, we got to change the divisions, and you would have to find a different structure for that, whether that be pods, whether that just not be anything, whether you just have 16 teams. Again, we're operating under the – 2025 parameters of Texas, Oklahoma, you just have 16 teams that are just there. Uh, But the second thing that is important to remember here is that for everything to line up swimmingly, you would need to add a ninth conference game. And that is something that people have been talking about for a while. It's something that Nick Saban, um, and uh, the guy we've been talking about a lot today, has wanted for a long time in the league. It's 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 been a debate topic for, in the league for a while about a ninth conference game rather than a potential another Schedule. small yeah. non conference game yeah. that no one really pays attention to, other than of course those teams getting a nice paycheck to come play. And, and so, I, I think what you'd look at in that situation, you have a nine conference or nine game conference schedule. Then you can very smoothly 
have a, a schedule format that what we're talking about, it seems like it would fall perfectly because, okay, you have a 16-team league. Well, you can't play yourselves. Again, reminder, shocking. <laughs> so you have 15 teams that you could possibly play. Well, if you make three of them permanent, 15 minus 3 is 12. I'm doing elementary math for everyone. 12 schools remain. Six conference games a year need to be filled. And so you simply rotate those every single single year. Therefore, you've played everybody every, in, in within two years, and you've gone to every venue in the league every four years. And I think that is the most commonsensical way of doing it. And for those that say they don't want nine conference games, I, I don't really know what to tell you because the scheduling model would be completely difficult and more different or more different and, and more difficult if you did have still eight conference games because then you would be looking at um i, I guess you would have to do um the new math here you still have 15 opponents you'd have two that would stay the same and then you'd have seven differences but then you'd have one team and that seven that you'd play in back-to-back -back years because if you if you take two out of fifteen, that's thirteen. Seven plus seven is fourteen. So I need fourteen conference games, um, uh, and, but I have thirteen teams to fill them. So one team you will play twice, and that's not necessarily a huge issue. It's just one of something. But you know, whoever gets screwed in that cycle is gonna whine about it, right. and we don't have to whine about it. If we have a uniform, nice, even number way of rotating through every single year. And so as this pertains to the conference championship game, um, you know, I don't think, you know, obviously you get rid of the entire T of divisions. Pods would kind of complicate things a little bit yeah, at that I point. So. That's why you might. Because Subscribe. then you like, do you play which pod do you play right. when what year then it ends up being the same thing it almost you... ends up where you feel like you almost need a you need either elaborate tiebreakers or yeah. uh, you almost need like a semifinals and then a finals of your conference tournament which is just completely out there at this moment um, because you'd have four pod winners and it's right. like well if two if two or three of them have the same record and they didn't play each other it would just it get no kind sense. of yeah it'd it be a lot yeah and, and so ultimately there's going to be ties here and i think that uh that would be the most concerning part is you would have situations where at the top of the league if we're taking the two best win percentage at some point someone's going to tie for second right and then you've just got to hope that, that they, played each, they other. played each other exactly and if they didn't or if there's a three or four way tie say there say there's a scenario where someone goes nine and zero, oh, and then there's a, a a plethora of mediocrity at six and three behind and so there's like four six and three teams because nobody else separated themselves then you'd have some complicated tiebreakers in which you know i i'm not saying this is a reason not to do it no. i'm just simply thinking of the potential criticisms and, of yeah. everything. And I honestly think that the chances of that happening would be pretty slim sure, just sure. because, you know, obviously I think we already know who the powerhouses of the, the powerhouses and the potential wild cards that could get back up in there um, of the conference, especially for the sec would be. Um, and you'd kind of know where the lower tier is going to be. Um, and most of those powerhouses play each other. 
you know, and I would hope that that would still stay pretty consistent if they go to the top two win percentages. So we'll just have to see. It, it's just something that potentially could right. come into more oh. play because right now it's so it's so. Um, what was the word? So set in stone right. that you won that division, you won that division, and the tiebreakers really aren't necessary in really any cases because you played e- right. each other. Uh, it's just under this scenario when you're putting everybody in the same pot, you will have to have a tiebreaker system, and sure. sometimes it might be needed. I did some quick research here, and since the Pac-12 is the ones doing this, I went back and looked at the last 10 years of Pac-12 championship games. This, if this system would have been in place the entire time, where it's the two with two teams with the, the conference win record percentage, it would have only changed the conference the championship game three times. Two of them would have put up against Oregon and Stanford a rematch from their earlier in the season game, which that's always a really good game in the Pac-12. You always right. watch those two. That's always usually the division winners. The other interesting one that would have turned up would have been 2018. You would have had Washington, Washington State playing in back-to-back weeks from the Apple Cup Ooh. to a conference championship game. Apple all Cup. The, all the apples in a cup. That would um, have been awesome. So did, you didn't see any of those crazy – ties then for second did you really I didn't know okay. every the, answer, answer me this <clears throat> Oregon won that Apple Cup right Oregon is not in the Apple Cup oh no Washington won that Apple Washington Cup. won the Apple Cup <laughs> okay so if Washington State had won that game would that have changed that conference championship because because I, I guess the nightmare scenario here is the end of the season rivalry doesn't matter because those two teams are going to play again that's next great, week. That's a great thought. If, that's if, a great thought. If See, they were thank thinking you. through this. If yeah. Washington State had won that game, that would have triggered Washington State to be 8 and 1 in conference play. Washington would have fallen to 6 and 3. That would have triggered the the uh mediocrity. The, the <laughs> The uh, tiebreakers. tiebreakers, because also in conference play at six and three was Stanford and yeah. Utah okay. were both at uh, were both in the the only reason Utah went to the conference championship game that year is because Utah plays in the South Division. They won the South Division that year. Washington, Washington State are both in the North Division as well as Stanford. That's a great question, though, because yeah. the last it, thing you would want now, granted, a lot of SEC teams don't play their rivals or, or play different rivals like Georgia plays <clears throat> Georgia Tech at the end of the year, Florida, Florida State. Some teams aren't even in in the conference yeah, schedule. Right. But, at the but end. imagine if the Iron Bowl, yeah, yeah, Iron, yeah, Auburn and Alabama are both eleven and zero going into the Iron Bowl. Everybody else has at least, well, I guess it would come down to tiebreakers if there's another team with one loss. But, but yeah, if they have two, yeah, yeah, if every yeah. other team has two losses, which is very possible, then you know you, you don't want the Iron Bowl to not matter, and the Iron Bowl will always matter, right. but. For the purposes of deciding the champion, that game would be essentially meaningless. I, I, I think the simple rebuttal would just be the game fortunately just means so much that obviously right. someone's going to come in with the mindset, of, I just want to beat right. them twice. We're just going to you know, pipe right. them twice. But, uh, and if I you mean, don't, then you know, revenge next week. But that same line of thinking does apply the week later yeah. because once you expand the playoff, then you say, well, really, you've just got to determine – uh, internally that you care a lot about winning this conference championship because if you've got an 8-12 team playoff and you're both ranked in top four or five coming in that week, I, you know the, even the losers getting in no matter what, that's what effectively happened this past year. But it would be true maybe both ways instead of just one way. Uh, you know, if Georgia had beaten Alabama in the, in the, in the, uh, the SEC championship game last year, Bama probably not in. So, uh, But Georgia losing, we knew they still would be in. So that – 
principle would just work with both teams in the future. Quick, also some more quick research. You want to look at something that would have triggered a, a if this system was in place in the SEC, a year that it would have triggered some sort of weird tiebreaker would have been 2013 because Auburn, Alabama, and Missouri all finished at 7-1 and one in conference play after Auburn won the Kick 6 Iron Bowl. And so that would have sent some sort of tiebreakers into motion there between those three schools. Yeah, so I, I guess the moral of the story is if you th- – you know, as seamless as maybe the schedule would work or, or that sort of thing. Uh, there's still things that have to be thought through, and there's still enough here for people to gripe over. Uh, they will <laughs> have to get through to a certain system of tiebreakers, and there will have to be some thoughts here. It's not just a, an absolute no-brainer to do this, and there's going to be no unintended consequences. There's This is, this is life, and there are almost always unintended consequences. So. Yeah. Uh, but it will be really interesting to see how it all plays out. And that was a big step uh, made by the NCAA. And now conference is going to change their championships and all sorts of things here in the coming years as we look at some college football realignment. going to take our first break of hour number three on the other side, as promised. We'll talk about Auburn baseball and Auburn softball as you listen to the Thursday edition of Sports Call. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger Closing in on the show, end of the show today, as uh, about 5.30 now, just 30 minutes or less of the program, as everybody jamming out to the white stripes in the studio. What year was it that... Um, 2006. No, not the not the white stripes. This is something different. I don't know. I don't know if this, uh, when this song came out. The uh, What year was it that the NBA draft, they said no spoilers, and then someone started spoiling them, and so... Uh, About 19, maybe? So Woj went to, instead of spoiling it, said this team is zeroing in on oh, this player. Yeah, it's tantalized 20, yeah. by the yeah, opportunity. Yeah, that was like 2019, yeah. And then that that's what, I think that... That was uh, whatever draft Mikhail Bridges was in. True. Whatever the, Mikhail, bridge, I do the, remember the Bridges, that. because something about them being an employee for one of the organizations <laughs> and then not ending up at that organization after being drafted by that organization. Oh, so it yeah. wasn't 2006. It was not 06. Nope. No. Right, well. Twitter was not a thing in 2006 to the public. That's true. Fun facts there. It was uh, a darker time. Here's a fun fact. How did we get Woj bombs in 2006? You just like sprung. Um, up you've in got your, mail. You Probably ESPN sprung you up in your living room and said, "Hey, LeBron James is getting drafted." Oh yes, I, that's right. The technology to have someone spring up in a living room, <laughs> not, but not, but not Twitter yeah. in 2006. Yes, 2006. Like, <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, before this show conti- just goes all the way off the rails, uh, we do want to talk about Auburn baseball and Auburn softball here in our last uh, main segment of the show. So Auburn baseball, first and foremost, um, they're supposed to be starting about now, circa now. They are not. Uh, rain delay in Lexington, 6.15 is the estimated start time. So essentially like a normally timed game at that point. This would have been an hour early or a half hour early. Uh, but three games with Kentucky. To remind you one more time, I've been anal about this the entire season, and so I'm going to go ahead and do the shtick one more time. Uh, well, I could also do it tomorrow as well, so you never rule it out. But Auburn needs to finish fourth or better to be in the double elimination part of the SEC tournament. If you are 5 through 12, you play one single elimination game the first day of the tournament. The winners are obviously advancing. Then it becomes double elimination. The losers are out. If your seed's 13 through 14, well, you are done playing baseball. You don't get to play in the SEC tournament. That right now would be Missouri and Mississippi State, if you can believe that or not. That's Weren't wild. they the number one team in the country at one point? Uh, I believe that preseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we won the championship last year. But or no? Uh, uh, hold on. No, ye. I believe both Mississippi schools were yeah, number yes. were number one at one point and just had an epic collapse I down the stretch. Mississippi State. Yeah, Mississippi State twenty six and twenty seven. They did. They did. It was their yeah. first ever national title yeah. in any sport. That's wild. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the fall right, off. So, uh, and uh, if, if you were saying, well, maybe. Maybe, you know, Kentucky is, is 11th, or excuse me, uh, 12th right now. Maybe they can uh, catch Kentucky if Auburn helps them out. That thought is good. However, uh, Mississippi State plays Tennessee this weekend. So, oh, so, best of luck. So, best of luck. Uh, they need Auburn to sweep Kentucky to have any chance because they're not going to beat uh, Tennessee in a series. So, um, Auburn is right now 4th. No one's catching Tennessee. They've won the SEC's regular season championship. Arkansas and A&M are 17-10. and 10. Auburn is fourth at 15-11. and 11. Rest in peace to the third game of the Auburn-Alabama series. And then LSU, Vandy, and Georgia are all 14-13. and 13. I'll put it to you like this. If Auburn wins two out of three against Kentucky, they have locked up the fourth seed. Nothing in the world else matters in the sport of SEC baseball because Auburn will be 17 and 11, or excuse me, 17 and 12 at that point. Everyone else could get up to 17 wins, but they would have 13 losses. In that case, you would rejoice that Auburn and Alabama did not finish in the event that Auburn did not end up winning that game. So they're in good position for that. And of course, guys, we've also been talking about the possibility of not only being a regional host, but a top eight seed, which would make you a host of a super regional if you win your own regional. That'd be amazing. Bottom line, what a turnaround for this Auburn baseball team right. yeah. uh, after last season not making the tournament. And uh, I think everyone feels good about the fact that they will, at this point, seem to host a regional. It's just what they need to do here against Kentucky and then the conference tournament to host a Super Regional. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, this is a good, not great Kentucky team, but they did beat Tennessee in a series. They they ho- did they did host Tennessee and took two out of three. Uh, the only SEC series that Tennessee has lost all season. So you, you can't take them lightly. They're good enough to beat you. But I, the prevailing thought is that Auburn is the better team of the two. Uh, and you feel pretty good about taking two out of three. And like you said, Ryan, if you can do that, you lock up that fourth spot. Um, maybe you go a little bit higher. Maybe you can punch. Maybe you can sweep and get to that third seed. But, you know, it's it's a matter of 
you know, you, you find yourself in a good spot against a team that you should be better than, uh, and you just got to hope that everybody performs well and you can you can lock up what you want to do. And you're right, it is a remarkable turnaround from what last season was. It just a disappointing season last season full right. of a lot of injuries and bad luck and, you know, things just it, it didn't go your way. But the fact is you've got a chance to rectify that after being projected to finish last in the conference this season. You are uh, you're now you now have a chance to that double buy and it's what a turnaround. Yeah, uh, Auburn baseball being fourteen and seven in games played away from Plainsman Park, um, that's the most wins among SEC teams. So that's something to be proud of. I mean, really great season for Butch Thompson and and Auburn. I mean, just like I said, a, a remarkable remarkable turnaround. Um, I'm excited to see. I I think I think we can definitely get two out of three at Kentucky considering that we do have been playing very well away from home um, I think that's something that can't be expressed enough especially with a, a history of how Auburn teams have fared away from home in the past um, so this is definitely something to be excited about hopefully we will do what we need to do and handle business and um, just you know continue on from there and hopefully we can host a super regional that would be amazing would you like to know I I, I hate to to change the subject so quickly here but uh four or excuse me five I'm, minutes I'm ago looking at it right now. you're looking yeah. at it uh do you want to break it you're a better storyteller than me you tell you tell the fine people all right thank you sir um i was gonna say it at the end of the segment for for what it's worth um <laughs> coach gus Malzahn on twitter <laughs> i see it um you <laughs> might remember him he, he coached this program uh, he faced nick saving a time or two uh j- just tweeted this just got on twitter for the first time today did I miss anything? Uh, no. No, not at all. <laughs> Just uh, you doing you, Gus. Oh, man. Good stuff from Gus there. I, I like when Gus gets a little bit sassy. Um, he, he does it from no, time no to doubt. time. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, he does it from time to time. And he, he's, got some, he's got some real uh, some real sass to him when he chooses to break it out. That's very funny. Very even-keeled, not a whole lot of personality most of the time, but... You know, he, he likes to get his jabs in sometimes. He he uh, he has before, and uh, look, he for everything every you know people feel about him around here. I can tell you, just go to his Twitter from about the Iron Bowl last year when he was still coaching or first coaching UCF, and just go look at his likes, see what he was uh, <laughs> liking around the time of the Iron Bowl. Uh, I think he still uh, wants Auburn to succeed. Uh, Brooks, your thoughts real quickly on, on Auburn baseball? Yeah, this is an important series, as we said earlier, and you guys have said, take two out of three, you get that top one of those top four seeds in the SEC tournament, you lock yourself into that double bye, and you don't have to play the first two games. That's the biggest thing, is with this Auburn pitching staff that you've had struggles with keeping healthy all year, especially the starting pitching, um, you need that double bye. You need to get into that where you have to play li- less games because that way it gives your pitchers, one, a few more days to rest after the weekend series, and then two, it gives you, you don't have to go as deep into the bullpen on days that you, you know, you have to go with someone that you're not fully confident starting. Um, you saw Jordan Armstrong, who's a, who's can be a fine starter, but he had a very, very short outing against Samford on Tuesday. You don't really want to have to throw Jordan Armstrong. You'd rather get into that point where you only need to throw three pitchers. Maybe you get to that fourth pitcher with Armstrong, but if you can keep it, if you can get into a position after this weekend where you only need that Mason Barnett, uh, Trace Bright, and Joseph Gonzalez in this baseball tournament, 
I, that's a really, really big win for Auburn because those are the three guys that, you, not necessarily Mason Barnett, you'd really more like to have Hayden Mullins in there, but you don't know what if he's going to be back at all this year. Uh, I don't know where his, what his current progress is. Um, Kentucky's a, a baseball team. They're you know, 28-23, not the best baseball team we've seen, but they came in and swept Auburn last year at Plainsman Park in March. Uh, and they weren't. I mean, I say they weren't. Cl- they were close games, uh, eight to six, seven to six, six to four. And then you look at last year's Auburn baseball team. They went into that last weekend needing to do something. They needed to win that series against Missouri on the road last year, and to get to the SEC tournament. What did they do? They won the series on the road at Missouri to get into the SEC tournament. They're going to their last weekend again this year. And they've got to do something. That is, take two out of three from Kentucky, lock yourself into one of those top four seeds, and then go into the SEC tournament with a little bit more rest, uh, the same level of rest as a Tennessee team that uh, and other top teams in the conference are going to have. Going in, uh, It's going to be a really, really crucial thing for this team to get. I think Auburn baseball is capable of sweeping this series. Am I going to say they're going to sweep? No, I think Kentucky probably grabs at least one. Is Auburn capable of winning two out of three? Yes, and I expect them to win two out of three this weekend. And, and I think that most Auburn fans should expect to win two out of three this weekend against Kentucky. Lock yourself in. It's yep. it's just fun time in baseball right here as you get ready for conference play and or conference tournament play. Auburn and Kentucky uh, going to be first pitch now around 6.15 on FM Talk 9, 3.9, our sister station. Uh, all three games can be heard. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday on FM Talk 93.9. Real quickly, uh, just got a moment or two before we got to take our final break. Auburn softball in the Clemson Regional of the NCAA Tournament. Clemson, for those that don't know, is the number 10 national seed. Auburn, the two seed in that regional. Louisiana, the three, and UNC Wilmington, the four. So Clemson play UNC Wilmington first up tomorrow. Then Auburn takes on Louisiana. That game, one thirty. PM or thereabouts here on Tiger 95.9. We will have a sports call show uh, after the conclusion of that game. So, again, we'll not be on time, maybe around 4, 430, something like that. Stay tuned to our social media for official announcement of when we'll get that going. Or if there's millions of innings and millions of runs, maybe we don't have a show, in which case I apologize and have led everyone astray. Uh, but nevertheless, Auburn uh, coming in a little bit hobbled. Uh, they've had a lot of injuries the last few weeks. Jesse Blaine's been banged up. Lindsey Garcia's been banged up. Obviously, Denver Bryant tore her ACL much earlier in the season. Shelby Lowe has had issues with her pitching arm. Uh, a lot of injuries that this team is starting to fight through, which has derailed what has been a, a, a really quality season, a season in which a few series into the uh, SEC slate, they were still second in the SEC for a little while and then faded there in the last uh, few weeks. But Nevertheless, still a team that is very capable, has a lot of power, going to be on Bree Ellis alert, Bree Bomb alert, as she looks for her 19th home run to break Casey Cooper's freshman record of 18. And so that to look forward to. And then just a lot of young players getting their first taste of the NCAA tournament, even if it doesn't go great this weekend, which we certainly hope it does. But if it doesn't, it's going to be a valuable experience for when these girls grow up and have something to be very special here in the coming years. Almost out of time for the show today. One final commercial break. The Nightly TV Guide brought to you by Coca-Cola is next. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, 
Roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Final segment of Sports Call today on this Thursday afternoon. Had a lot of fun this afternoon. Ryan, Cam, Brooks, and Brant. We've been going over the Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher uh, comments. We've gone over Auburn baseball, Auburn softball. As the next time you'll hear us, they will have each played a game in their respective uh, series slash regionals. And I uh, also talked more about the college football landscape as it pertains to scheduling and conference championships uh, in the near future. But just a minute or two left of the show today, and it's time for... Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Brooks, got about a minute and a half left. Sports Call's nightly TV guide. What have you got? Uh, no movies tonight. Uh, there's enough sports on that you should be entertained without a movie. But if you do want to watch a movie, you know, Netflix, Hulu. Ryan's uh, Movie Monday pick is on our website, thetiger.fm. Check that out if you want to uh, get a movie pick for the evening. Sports picks tonight. Since Auburn base, I wasn't going to add this on because they were starting before the show ends, but Auburn baseball versus Kentucky, approximate start time 6.15 over our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. Also, the SEC Network Plus. Mason Barnett is going tonight for the Tigers, and it looks like it's Zach Lee going for the Kentucky Wildcats uh, to start that series off. Elsewhere in the sports world, 6 o'clock on TNT, Game 2 of the Stanley Cup playoffs between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers. Tampa Bay, after falling to one to nothing in the first period, it struck back in the Game 1, scoring four goals in the second through third periods. Winning 4-1, they'll try to get up 2-0 in the series before taking the series back to Tampa. Well, I guess to Tampa for the first time. Uh, and then later tonight, 8.30 on TNT, Game 2 between the Blues and the Avalanche. In that one, Avalanche won Game 1. Blues look to even up that series, Game 2. Women's lacrosse action in the NCAA tournament quarterfinals tonight. Stony Brook takes on North Carolina. Go Heels, and they tried to win a national title there. Also, college baseball action out on ESPNU on, at 7 o'clock is LSU and Vanderbilt. Big SEC series there. And, of course, 740 on ESPN. Game two between the Celtics and the Heat. Can the Celtics bounce back? Not at one game apiece. Or will the no. Heat take two games up before going to Boston? Heat 2-0. Thank you very much, Brooks, for that. Nightly TV Guide brought, brought to you by Coca-Cola. I had a very important omission. We did not do birthdays, and I apologize to Archie Manning, who turned 73 today. The Rebels. <laughs> Mario Chalmers, who turns 37. Kevin, Kevin Garnett, Garnett, who everything anything is possible, turns 47. And Bill Lambeer. Turns 66. Those are birthdays in sports, and I, I apologize. I had that thought uh, as I heard the intro music start playing, and I was like, oh, we didn't do birthdays. We did not, <laughs> but we had a fun show today. Thank you to Brant, Brooks, and Cam for joining me today, and thanks for all those who tune in and call in. I'm Ryan Lavoy. This has been the Thursday edition of Sports Call. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>